Well, good morning, friends. Podcast number 280. We are closing in on 300. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Somebody told me the other day that if you survive 10 podcasts, you probably have a good chance of of uh, continuing. So I'm not sure what the viewership is. It really, to me, is if one or two of you are being blessed, then I'm really happy with that. So I'm going to continue to do it. It keeps me in the word. And speaking of that, we're in Mark chapter one, and I love this book study. I haven't done a book study in a while. In fact, I've never done a book study in in the book of Mark or the gospel of Mark. So turn to Mark chapter one. I'm going to be using more Wearsby today. We're probably not going to get more than a couple verses in Mark, but we'll get into some other verses, obviously, that back up what Mark is saying. Um, from Wearsby, I love this. We expect a servant to be under authority and to take orders, but God's servant exercises authority and give orders, gives orders even to demons, and his orders are obeyed. Remember our key verse is Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We do not expect those who are servants to have authority, but it's important that we look at this servant, Jesus Christ, the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53, as one who has all authority. But for a limited time, he limited that authority and he put himself under the subjection of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and even to pagan men. This is incredible when you understand it, but as Jesus ministers here in this first chapter of Mark, we're going to see some incredible authority. But before we get there, let's look at some of the things that are going on. Let's read verses 12 and 13. The Spirit, capital meaning the Holy Spirit, immediately, remember that word is used over and over again by Mark, drove him out into the wilderness immediately after the baptism, immediately after God speaking from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There is this immediate boom. The Holy Spirit takes him out in the wilderness. And as he was in the wilderness, 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Underline some things here. Spirit, Satan, Skip back a couple of 40 days, wilderness, wild animals, angels. There's a lot going on in these two verses. Um, so let's get into that. Mark does not give us a full account of the temptation of Christ as Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. We're not going to go to those, but those are things you can look at. But Mark gives us some details here that the other two gospel writers did not. He adds vivid details uh, that the others omit. The Spirit driving him into the wilderness. wilderness. Again, back to Wearsby. This is a strong word that Mark used 11 times to describe the casting out of demons. It is impelled in the New American Standard and sent in the NIV. It does not suggest that our Lord was unwilling or afraid to face Satan. Rather, it is Mark's way of showing the intensity of this experience. No time was spent basking in the glory of the heavenly voice or the presence of the heavenly dove. The servant had a task to perform and he immediately went out to do it. 
There is no time for Jesus to bask or to boast in the presence of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and his father speaking from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There are a couple symbolic things here that Wiersbe brings out that I had not noticed. Again, I haven't been, um, I haven't studied the book of Mark I've read it, read it, read it, but I, and I preach from it, but I haven't studied it verse by first verse. But look at this, and I want you to write a couple of these things uh, down. Let me find where I was at. Um, in concise form, Mark presents us with two symbolic pictures. Think of this. Think of these pictures. Now I want you to just stop, and in your mind, our Lord's 40 days, that is symbolic. That is, it's an actual time period, but it symbolizes something else as well. It should bring to your mind something. In the wilderness, that should also remind you of something. Remember, Israel was in the uh, wilderness for 40 years, but Israel failed when they were tested, but our Lord succeeded victoriously. Having triumphed over the enemy, Jesus could now go forth and call a new people who would enter into their spiritual inheritance. Remember, Moses is leading millions of, of uh, Israelites in the desert, and they are failing miserably. They're not listening. They're they're seeing the hand of God move, and then they're and then they're falling backward. And it's this constant battle to the point where a generation dies in the wilderness and doesn't get to go into the uh, spiritual inheritance or the physical inheritance and the spiritual inheritance. And Jesus does not fail. Jesus, for 40 days, it says he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals. That's the next picture that we see here. Um, it's, it's this beautiful picture. The name Jesus in the Greek is a Greek form of Joshua, and Joshua is the one who freed them. And we can see that parallel. The second picture of that is that of the last Adam. I don't know how far we'll get today, but I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this picture of the first Adam and the last Adam. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Thus it is written, the first Adam... First man, Adam, became a living being. Now look at the difference here. He became a living being created by God, but the last Adam, which is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. See the natural Adam and then the spiritual Adam, Jesus Christ. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, Jesus, is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man, the first man, Adam, of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What is being said here? As Adam was a physical being and sinned, you and I are physical beings who sinned, but because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who did not fail in his wilderness experience. See, Adam failed in a beautiful garden. He had everything that he needed, but he failed. Jesus was in the wilderness under unbelievable circumstances, surrounded by wild beasts, surrounded uh, by Satan, and pressured for 40 days and 40 nights, and yet he did not fail. 
He took that for you and I. He paid that price for you and I. And then it says, because we're the image bearer of man, but also that we will bear the image, we will bear the image of the man of heaven. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans eight twenty nine says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, what? To be blessed, to be prosperous, to have all this, maybe, but the main thing is to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among their brothers. Jesus is the firstborn, the one who goes first, the pioneer. He went into the grave and came out of the grave. And as he's resurrected, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, because of his resurrection, we will also be resurrected. Let's camp on this theme of being like him and being an image bearer on one more scripture. First John chapter three, first John, (coughs) excuse me, chapter three. I know it's in here. It's right after first and second Peter. First John chapter three and verse two says this, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. So we're God's children now. If we have a relationship with him, we've surrendered our lives to him and what we will be has not yet appeared. But, circle that, but there's this transition. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he, Christ, is pure. We are image image bearers. We were the first of all image bearers of Adam because we were made uh, uh, from the dust. And second of all, in spiritual life, we are image bearers of God through Jesus Christ. I hope those pictures come and ring true to you. Um, Adam lost his dominion over creation. We know that in, uh, let's turn to Genesis. Because of his sin, because of his sin, Adam lost his dominion over this earth. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God speaks to Adam and says, And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But then man sinned. And what is the consequence of that sin? Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, God speaking, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and fifths thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return sin has consequences sin has consequences and because of our first Adam, our father, the first Adam, sin has consequences, not just for him, but for us. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to pay a price that would reverse all the things that Adam did, but it would cost Jesus his life. But in order for him to pay the price, he had to be perfect and sinless. Now turn to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. 
Psalm 8 says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. Uh, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the sort of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the, heaven, of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths, of the sea. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, you are the one. You are the one. And because of Christ, because of the payment that Jesus paid, you're restoring um, earth. You're restoring um, dominion over this earth to us as his people. Now, earth we know will pass away. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. But because of what Jesus has done, there is a restoration of the dominion. Now, I want to I want to share a, another scripture and then we'll get back to this. Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. This is incredibly important because the writer of Hebrews uh, goes back to Psalm 8 here when he says, it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him for the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower while um, a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Namely, now he's not talking about man. Look who he's talking about. Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus now was placed on this earth, John chapter 1, verse 14. God wrapped in human flesh came to pay the price for you and I and to restore something to restore dominion over this earth, not in our power, but in his power. It says that Jesus was with the wild beasts and they did not harm him. You and I should not try this. You and I should not try this. He gave a demonstration of that future time, not here, but a future time of restoration of that relationship, the time of peace and righteousness when the Lord shall return and establish his kingdom. Let me give you a couple of verses to, to, to write down for homework. Isaiah chapter 11, verses six through nine. And Isaiah 35, verse 9. Indeed, Jesus is a servant with authority. Now, a couple more scriptures and we'll get out of here. I'll close this thing. We'll land this gigantic plane today and you can get on with your day. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power, the word of his power. After making purification for sins, listen to this, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God, having become so much superior to the angels as his name 
uh, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is the Christ. He's he's the 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 prophet, the priest, the king. He's the one who paid the ultimate price. And when he finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The work is completed. I've said it over and over again. Remember that the priest, the high priest. Uh, never sat down. His work was never finished. But Jesus has completed the task that he came to perform. And because of that, what should we do? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God, Hebrews 1, 3 says he's seated. Uh, and now we see him seated. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. I am too easily distracted by the things of this earth. Are there things I need to take care of? Absolutely. Are there responsibilities? Absolutely. But I need to set my mind first on heaven before I even work on the things that I have to do here on earth. Let me say that again. And I get up in the morning, I need to first set my mind on the things of heaven so that then, then after I've set my mind on the things of heaven, I can take care of the things here on earth that God has given me to take care of my my work, my family, my relationships, my health, all of those things. But Jesus must be first. Our focus is up first and then out. Verse three, for you have died. We don't like to hear that from pastors and pulpits today. But the truth is that when Jesus says to the group of people, you are to take up your cross and follow me, they witnessed daily executions on the cross. And what was, what was he calling them to? He was calling to them to a life of sacrifice, a life when they would picture that word, the cross, take up your cross. They pictured that they must die to themselves, helpless and hopeless outside of Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. What a great hiding place. Have you ever hid something and somebody found it? You ever hid something and forgot where you put it? That happens when you get older. But your life, because you are uh, submitted to Christ, because you are bought by his blood, is hidden in Christ. There is no safer hiding place than to have your life hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We need to land this thing. What a long-winded preacher I've been this morning. The, the suffering servant is not a helpless servant. Jesus Christ has all authority, and we will look at that as we get into Mark a little farther tomorrow. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. God bless. Till we talk again.